as the church service that we have. So set aside distractions. It's so easy, so easy to do other things, especially when we're watching on a, on a screen. Set aside your phone. Set aside the other things you got going on and spend this hour worshiping with us, singing with us, letting the word really dwell in you and impact you. Uh, it's the first Sunday of the month, and so on the first Sunday of the month, we always say the Apostles' Creed together as a reminder of the, the history, the rich tradition that we are a part of, that this is not something new to us, not something new to the last hundred years, but something um, that has been believed since the beginning, since the time that Jesus walked the earth. Um, and, and this is something that's being said by, you know, thousands of churches around the world this morning. 
Uh, and so instead of me just saying the Apostles' Creed, we collected a video of some of you guys saying the Apostles' Creed, and so we want to play that for you this morning. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, he was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven. And sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Catholic Church. The communion of the saints. The forgiveness of sins. The resurrection of the body. And the life everlasting. Amen. for everyone who uh, was involved in that. Anyway, let's continue singing together. Come behold the wondrous
Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Bethany Church and any guests who may be joining us online this morning. I heard from a couple of you there might be some slow feeds out there this morning. I don't know if that's 
can be a local internet, but hang in there with us if you can. Uh, whether you're a regular tender or someone invited you this morning by sending you a link, we're glad you are here and have joined us through our live feed. Uh, thanks for taking some time this morning uh, to join us online for this worship service. I'm Jeff Jennings, uh, lead pastor here at Bethany Church. Uh, Bethany Church is a gospel-centered church with a mission of helping people follow Jesus. We are located right in the heart of Canby on South Ivy. Uh, but this morning we're coming to you as we have been for these last, I think, six or seven weeks now, streaming out live from our church campus. So if you're new this morning or you just joined us the past few weeks and you'd like more information about the church, uh, either in the comment section on Facebook or uh, direct messaging us on Facebook, you can write in there, I am new. And if you do that, we will contact you and get your email address to send you some information about the church. Well, this morning, as we come, as we have been each week, to a time of of giving back, I want to say thank you for your generous giving during this time of isolation that has continued. So a thank you to you from our church. Uh, But I also want to encourage you to help us finish this uh, fiscal year in May strong as, as you can. Uh, as you've seen in our Saturday emails, we're about $16,000 behind so on the budget for this year. Uh, so I want to encourage you, if you can, to help us finish out in the black if we can this year. But also to remind you, as we do on a lot of these Communion Sundays, that our Benevolent, uh, Benevolent and Deacon Fund is available as a designated giving opportunity as well for you this morning. Our Benevolent Fund goes to help financial, tangible needs in our church and community. So thanks to giving uh, to that as well. Would you bow with me as we pray this morning and ask the Lord to bless our time here where David and Tony and I are in this room and wherever you are at home, in your kitchen, in your family room. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the fount of every blessing and we just sung that. Lord, this morning, tune our hearts into your message of truth, of life, the good news of your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord Jesus, challenge us this morning with the strong words of the Apostle John. Words that call us to love the fellowship, love the truth, to remain and abide in you. Help us do that, God. Jesus, I ask you to give us a spirit of of bold humility during this time. An aroma of grace in in our interactions with our neighbors and community as we re-enter life over these next weeks and possibly months with hopefully some semblance of normality. Lord, I know there are some watching this this morning who are lonely, worried, or anxious, or just feel flat-out depressed maybe. Jesus, I ask you, be our hope this morning. Spirit, would you fill our hearts and minds right now with the truth that we have an advocate with the Father as we've heard in 1 John. One who stands in our place, his name is Jesus the Holy One. So give us the assurance of the forgiveness of our sins as we spend some silent time in confession now. Take a moment to do that in your home silently.
Lord, on these communion Sundays, we want to come before you with a clear and clean conscience. And we know and we claim these words from 1 John that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to cleanse us, to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we, we claim that now, we believe that now, we find peace in that now. Lord, as we give this morning as well, we want to give from those hearts of pure joy, hearts that are washed clean by the power of the Spirit, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Lord, as we give back today, bless our church, bless our giving, bless those in our church in ministry and elders who use the funds of our church. Let us be wise stewards over these uh, finances you've given us, Lord. And remind us this morning that we have hope in the gospel and no need to fear. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, I think we've got another prompt for you kids this morning. Any of you kids out there watching this morning, we are so glad you are with us and that you're hanging out with your parents there on the couch or wherever you are. Maybe you've got a coloring book with you or something or your Bible open. We just want you in the room with your family while the services goes on. Maybe you'll hear some of it. Maybe you'll hear all of it. It's just good to worship together with your family. Even if you don't understand everything I say this morning, that's okay because you're present with your parents or whoever you're with this morning, worshiping singing, listening, watching, getting in the habit of worshiping together, which is a habit we want you kids to form for your whole life, worshiping with God's people. So this morning, we got a kid's drawing prompt. Today, you're going to hear me say the word abide, or a a synonym. Kids, you know what that is, a synonym, remain, abide and remain. And so what we want you to do is, there's a couple uh, pages that Mrs. Jennings, our children's director, emailed out to you of a home, I think. And where you abide, where you remain, where you live. And so maybe print one of those out if you haven't already and color them. Or if you didn't print those, that's okay. Draw a picture of your home this morning. And then what we want you to do is email it to Mrs. Jennings as, we, as you've been doing. And we'll share them this next week. I think we have some from last week, some of those self-portraits you did. We're going to share those right now. Thanks for sending those in, kids. We want more of those. So if you're watching today, kids, color one of those and send them in. Let's get, let's have, let's get 20 of them for next week so you can all see your pictures and know what you're doing uh, as you draw something, a place where you abide your home. Well, some things coming up in the life of Bethany Church this week. We've got some fun things coming up this week, some important things, some things that are even, even going to gather us uh, in a socially distancing way. So here's a few of our announcements this week. We've got a great fun event coming up. We're calling it our family scavenger hunt. Uh, Bethany Kids is putting on for our families in the church. This Friday, that's this Friday at 6 p.m., here's what you're going to do. You're going to get in the car with your parents or someone that wants to come with you, maybe a grandparent, and drive to the church, and you'll meet in the church parking lot at 6 p.m. You'll be given a bunch of clues on a piece of paper. Clues that are going to take you to different homes of people in our church. Some of them, if you're kids, you're going to know some of the people. Uh, and as you go to each of those homes, you're going to be gathering some items that you're going to use to collect to put together to make a Mother's Day gift. So, dads, get your kids, get them in the car. Moms, you want to do it too, come on out. 
Uh, also, as we said, this is all socially distant compliant as we go to homes and things like that. And we're going to finish at the church, I hope, and uh, sing a couple songs uh, standing all gathered or spread out outside uh, at the end of the uh, hour at about 7 o'clock. So I was reading the clues Mrs. Jennings made last night. So fun. You're not going to want to miss it. Secondly, Park and Pray this week. I know some of you heard about our Park and Pray that we did a couple weeks back. And some of you came and some of you heard about it. It was a great time uh, to be together and pray and, and caravan around our community. Well, this Thursday is the National Day of Prayer. And we wanted to do it one more time. Uh, and so this Thursday at either 12 noon or 6 p.m., come to the church parking lot. We're going to hand out prayer prompts to you that have locations on them as well. And we'll caravan to each location and pray from the prompts from our cars. We're going to be praying for our leaders, for our military, for those who produce media and our culture and medical workers, a bunch of things. So join us by yourself or with the whole family. This one-hour event is a great blessing. So this Thursday, 12 noon or 6 p.m. And finally this morning, women's Bible study. Anna Burnham's going to be, getting a, be, be starting, beginning a new Zoom Bible study on May 12th called How Long, O Lord? It's going to be a study for the book of Habakkuk. If you're interested in signing up, you can email Anna Burnham at annabethburnham at gmail.com. We're going to put the link on Facebook right now. You can click her email and just say you're signing up so she can get to the materials for you or to you by uh, May 12th. Or call the church office tomorrow if you want to sign up for this great Bible study. It's going to be a six-week study through the book of Habakkuk. Well, I've been hearing lots of good feedback how some of you have really enjoyed watching Mr. Grover and his two sons, Noah and Neam, sing some songs. I think we got a couple more of those. So let's watch one this morning right now. And kids, you know this one. It's the Old Testament, and, and parents, if you don't know it, let them teach it to you. So watch that now. Good morning, everybody. Kurt Grover here. I'm one of the kids' worship leaders, and I brought with me the Grover Boy duo of Noah and Neam to help out with the kids' song. This morning, we're going to do the Old Testament. We're going to test your knowledge of the books of the Old Testament. And uh, adults, please sing along. Kids, you might know this better than your parents, so sing even louder. Here we go. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Jones, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, 
Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. That's the old. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide you in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is a promise that he made to us eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, uh, and thanks to you kids for uh, jumping in each week and helping us out with that scripture reading. I love to see your faces as we're standing here in this room uh, in front of this camera and the TV behind us. I get to turn around and watch you there, and I know there's others in our church that have told me how much they love seeing your faces too on their TVs, their phones, and their computers, and their iPads. So thanks for helping us out with that. And I love hearing it come from the mouths of uh, and the hearts of children, even as the Apostle John calls us all in this letter little children or dear children multiple times. Well, as we come to this passage today, you know, we realize that as followers of Jesus Christ, we're called to be peacemakers, uh, bridge builders, lovers of our enemies. Today's passage can come somewhat as a shock. John calls people liars, even using this us and them language. This passage from 1 John today is intentionally divisive on his part. But when we realize what is at stake, we see that John wants to us to make sure that the church, that you and I realize how important his doctrinal test is. A test for the assurance of your faith, the validity of your faith, and the purity of the church. An assurance of our knowing we know him, as we've been talking about in this short letter. Well, we've been working our way through 1 John, this short letter, written to a church 
that had seen members leave their midst, go out from them, abandon them, leave church, the church membership behind, and embrace a false teaching, all the while still claiming to be followers of Jesus. That context is important for us this morning in this passage. And John has given us, if you remember, throughout this series and this chapter 2 in particular, four tests to assess the validity of our faith. Here's what they were. Knowing you know him, a real internal sense and experience, even subjective, you might even say, of knowing you know God. Second one was a test of obedience. Do you see a growing obedience in your life? Are you different this year than you were last year, this month than you were last month? That was the second. The third, a test of of loving fellow Christians. Are you one who loves others around you, in particular the brothers and sisters in Christ, or do you harbor bitterness and and anger and, and, and grudges against people when the gospel of free grace pushes us out or should push us out to be loving and forgiving. And then finally, the fourth today, a doctrinal test. A doctrinal test. What do you believe about Jesus? You know, when I had my first car, it was a red Geo Metro. <laughs> that thing would get speed wobbles on I-5 at 70 miles an hour. <laughs> that red Geo Metro looked like I was driving a red cherry tomato around. And by the time I dated Robin, I was glad I had a a different car before I ever picked her up for our first date. But that car was great. Got me where I needed to go. I did what I did. Commuted to college for years in that thing. Uh, But I did pride myself in the great car stereo I had in that red Geo Metro. Until the speaker on the front left door went out. It kept shorting out all the time. I'd be listening to music on the way, as I said, commuting to Cal State Fullerton where I went for college. And it would short out and I'd you know, hear me hearing coming out of one side or only the voice coming out of that speaker. But I used to be able to whack it with my fist, that speaker, or kick it with my foot until it would come back on. Well, until one day it didn't anymore. And one of my friends convinced me, take your car to a, 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 a car stereo specialist. Take it to somebody to work on. And I didn't know anything about fixing stereos, but that expert did. An expert who realized that precision in wires and connections from my stereo to the speakers to the battery, everywhere is getting power. That expert realized that precision in wires and connections mattered if I wanted my stereo to work. And once it was fixed, it was great. It worked perfectly. You know, you can duct tape things or whack them to fix them for a while. But to keep something truly important, truly working, precision matters. Getting it right matters or your volume or your message keeps shorting out. This morning, John describes true Christians as those who hold on to the truth with precision. Not just duct tape it, not just rattle it or kick it around every once in a while, but pursue it by the power of the Spirit, even when it's contradicted by those from within. His warning is for us to resist those who he describes as actively speaking words against Christ and the gospel, shorting out the message. So let's look at both groups today. That's what we're going to do. And they're marking characteristics that John gives us. We're going to look at both groups. So take your outline. Hopefully you've got it. We've linked it on Facebook for you as well. Hopefully you have it and have your Bible open as we're going to look at our first group, the group that John calls Antichrists. And here's the first thing we're going to see about them. Antichrist, they're against both Christ and his church. 
you know, hearing those words, the word Antichrist come out of the mouths of our children reading the scripture, is a bit shocking. That word Antichrist strikes an ominous tone. As John says, the last hour has come. And, and you, one called Antichrist, is coming. But really, there are many Antichrists already here, John has said in this first verse. This last hour, John says, he calls it this period of time. between It's the period between Christ's first coming and Christ's second coming, the last hour, in which Jesus did tell us, even himself, that false teachers would increase, even as the gospel message would be spreading. So we're in the last hour. The Apostle John was in the last hour. Last hour doesn't mean just one hour. It's the whatever extended period of time Christ decides, the Father decides from when he was here, left until he comes back. Could be another year. Could be thousands of years. We don't know. And he says, John, as he writes about this last hour, you've heard about this, what you've heard implying that this was part of what they were originally taught. Those early Christians in that church originally taught that Antichrist would come. You know, this word Antichrist was probably coined by John, and it's only used in First and Second John, even though another figure is alluded to in Thessalonians and Revelation and other places, which is probably this Antichrist. But John is the one who really coins it and brings it up. And as he does, it might bring up images of wonder and fear uh, or fanciful predictions that we've heard throughout our lifetime. But it's not really helpful to speculate and attach the title Antichrist to an individual. And at times, the church has actually made huge mistakes in doing so. And I think John, his, his intent this morning in this passage, and what's more important for us and to John for, the, for this church, is the spirit of Antichrist, the principle of Antichrist rather than maybe a historical person who may appear at the end of this age. And, and more importantly, what the spirit of Antichrist and false teaching can do to the church. Divide it. Split it up. Well, let's look at a couple characteristics of this, these antichrists, as John calls them, who are against Christ and his gospel. Here's our first one that we hear from this passage. These attacks come from within and without. It's kind of surprising here in this passage, but every other place in the Bible, antichrist figures are mentioned. They attack the church from the outside, from without. But here in 1 John, it's from within. You know the story of the Trojan horse. It was snuck in as a gift, this beautiful statue into the city, all the while being empty inside but filled with soldiers. Like a Trojan horse full of soldiers, these Antichrists were part of this church. And the Trojan horse popped open at night and the soldiers went through the town and took over. He says in verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. They were part of us. For if they'd been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. Wow. Powerful words. Even shocking words. These were people, John is saying, who were members of this church, of this local body, and yet left the church. Proving, making it plain, John said, as the nose on my face, that they are not of us, even though they were at one time. You know, Charles Spurgeon had a great quote. 
he would use as he trained young ministers, which he did with many of them. And he said this, he said, use very hard arguments and very soft words. It's great advice. It's fantastic advice, especially for a young minister. Gets his first pulpit, maybe. What great advice, especially as you think in our social media age of kind of lobbing verbal grenades at each other from the safe distance of our couch and iPad screen. We do as Christians need to be gentle, even when we disagree, and we can. Gentle with our words, and even while we use really hard, logical, strong, thoughtful arguments. But John's words, they're not soft here. He very clearly in verse 19 even sets us up as a us and them. It's the next characteristic of this, this group of Antichrist. He sets up two groups, us and them. They went out from us. They were not of us. If they had, if they had been of us, they would have not gone out from us. For a church that's called to love its enemies and called to be kind and gentle with others and have open doors and and open arms, this is strong language. And we also know the church has been quick to label its enemies with the term, term Antichrist too quickly through history. So why is John so firm here and using such strong us, them language? Colin Cruz says it well here. As a commentator I was reading this week when he said, there is great need for humility in matters about which Christians differ, or I would say with others outside the church. However, at times of erroneous teaching, which is plainly at variance with the truth of the gospel, it has to be named and its origins exposed. In other words, John is not going, he's not going out looking for a fight like some guys might do at the bar on a Friday night. But when one he loves is in danger, the church he cares for, and the church is splitting, and it's because of false teaching, you better believe he will rise to the occasion. He will confront the lie and the liar when the gospel's at stake, which is what he does. He puts out a doctrinal test, which is our second characteristic, as he brings out this doctrinal test to point out spiritual deceit and denial. He throws down the fourth test of this chapter to test the validity of true faith, my faith, your faith, the church's faith. It's the doctrinal test. After the knowing you know, the obedience test, the love of others test, the doctrinal test. There is a time and place for strong words. When the deception hits right at the center of the Christian faith. So not only does he expose the false teachers with this us and them language, but he calls them liars. Look at your text in verse 22 and 23. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. Verse 23 goes on, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Look, he says, you know, there are some things we just can't agree to disagree on. 
And, and you know, if, if Christianity was just my opinion or, or just my truth in the core of it, you might say, well, okay, well, I see it this way, but I get it. This truth thing is kind of subjective, and I'll hold this to be true for me. And if you just think Jesus was a really good guy or, or maybe, you know, just a, a teacher that got misunderstood, or you know, that's just your opinion, and this is mine. No, no, he says. You're a liar, he says. Now, we have to be careful here because we are called to be meek, humble, loving, and, and compassionate. And if someone disagrees with us on minor, let's say minor points of doctrine, or maybe it's our opinion on one thing or another, or our concepts or our philosophies, our first instinct should be this. You know what? I want to listen to you. Maybe you are right, and maybe I am wrong. Let me see what I can learn from you. That should always be our first instinct. You know, we shouldn't say like, hey, what, you think babies should be baptized? You're a liar. No way. We wouldn't say that. Or you think only real wine should be used at communion? You lie. You, you hear the absurdity in that, don't you? When it's something that's not the center, the core. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, John boils down the whole Christian faith to this, this doctrine. And he makes it a test. And it is as if he says, everyone knows this is true. Deep down in their heart, you know Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, God in flesh. And when you deny that, you lie because you know it. You deny the objective, truthful core of our faith. That's why he uses such strong words. The message that is as clear as day from the Bible, if you open it, that these things are true about Jesus. You know, secondary, third level matters, there's some room for discussion, disagreement. But when it comes to the core doctrine of the person of Jesus, to deny Jesus as Messiah, Son of God, John says, is the spirit of Antichrist. To detract, denigrate, deny, dismiss, diminish, decrease, I don't know how many D words I can get in there. Do any of these to Jesus and his work. It's a lie. It's a lie. This should be the spirit of the church. As another John, John the Baptist said, he must increase, but I must decrease. That's not what they were doing in the church at John's time. And this came from within the church. And now they left the church and sought to deceive the rest with lies. But do you see, do you see why the gospel and Jesus as the center of it are so important? Do you see why keeping a, a healthy account of what we believe here at Bethany Church, what we teach here, what we pursue as a community at Bethany Church, do you see why that's so important? Can you see why myself as a pastor and our other ministry leaders and our elders have such a big responsibility to oversee this flock? It can split the church in two. It's happened in, it happened in this church with John. It's happened throughout history. You know, sometimes as leaders in the church, as pastors, we get pushback from people, some in the congregation, when we take things like sin 
or false teaching or discipleship or church attendance or covenant membership or fellowship, we get pushed back when they're just taking it too seriously. I mean, that's just the pastor's job to take church life seriously. Oh, well, there he goes again. You know, just being pastor, there he goes again. Or sometimes it's the spirit of, okay, I mean, I'll be part of this place and I'll check in on a Sunday from time to time, but you know, don't actually think about holding me accountable. I mean, this is a totally voluntary association. And it is. You can attend church or not. It's your choice. But man, when you hear John, and you think about the responsibility level he has over this flock, and what can happen when we diverge and forget our core and drift from it as so many have. You know, we just emailed our covenant membership meeting package out this week to everybody who's, I think, on our pretty much on our mailing list, regular tenders. And so church membership is on my mind. When I was candidating with the church three and a half years ago, I, I stated in my interviews and my candidating Sundays that covenant membership was important to me. And I know Bethany Church has a history, a strong history actually even of church, church membership. But I also know when I arrived and actually started to emphasize its importance, some people thought, oh, he was serious about that. Or maybe you were surprised as I started, we started as leadership talking about membership again and reintroduced our covenant a couple years back. Maybe you were surprised thinking, well, didn't we hire a, a young-ish, young-ish pastor? I mean, isn't that just membership thing just kind of an outdated model, you know? Or isn't membership thing like something old people in church like? Why is he interested in it? Listen to the words of John here in this letter. What happens inside the church matters. What happens with Jesus and his gospel is of utmost importance. We're dealing in life and death issues. Eternal, not just temporal issues. We're not a social club, a political action group. We are the church of Jesus Christ. The holders of the truth. The messengers of the king the salt and light of the world. If we utilize tools such as covenant membership or doctrinal statements or personal discipleship or life groups to keep us accountable, salty, bright, and on point, precise and truthful, to keep us from tarnishing the name of Jesus, to make us into a resilient, brave, courageous outpost of the truth, do you think the Apostle John for one moment would have batted an eye? No way. If that's our motive, sign me up. I want to be all about that. And when it gets right down to it, Jesus loves us too much as his bride and he loves his name too much to let his church be a revolving door of temporary spectators. That's what John was dealing with. That's what these early Christians were dealing with. The in and out nature, for them it was caused by doctrinal division. And we're to love each other that way too. So maybe it's time for you to consider this morning taking church of some of those other things that Bethany Church offers other than just Sunday morning that will pull you in deeper into this community. You know, sometimes those who came before us got it right. The danger of falling away, being seduced by the spirit of Antichrist is real. And we've just looked at its characteristics. So what about the church? What are we to look like? 
to assure ourselves of our faith and to protect the name of Jesus. How do we persevere, remain? Well, that's what our point two is this morning. True Christians, they persevere by remaining or abiding is that other word. Do you want to be one who perseveres in the faith? I know you do. Do you want to be one who hears, I know you and you know me. Well done, good and faithful one. Do you want to be one who can take the message of Jesus out into the world of the spirit of Antichrist with courage and bold belief? Then here is what John prescribes for you. Remain. Abide. Stick close to it. Well, to what? He gives us three things in this passage to remain in, to stick in, to abide in. Let's take a look at them to close today. First one is this, remaining in fellowship, remaining in the body. You know as well as I do that our fellowship looks quite a bit different right now. We're isolated, separated. We are not together physically. And I also know at the same time, It's very comfortable watching from the comfort of your own home right now. Feet up on the couch, still in your bathrobe, coffee in one hand, muffin in the other. That's comfortable. But what is going to happen when we're allowed to return? What if this goes on for another month or two? Will the loss of the spiritual habit for you and the loss of the discipline of fellowship of coming together with the church, will the loss of that keep you from coming back to us? Now, I'm not talking about if you're compromised, your compromised health. If that keeps you from rejoining the fellowship and continuing to watch at home when we are finally able to do that, that's totally understandable. And I'll probably even encourage that when we get back to the parameters for what it's going to look like for us to regather. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is the the spiritual lethargy that might be setting in for some of you right now with the lack of routine, the old habit of, you know, jumping in and out of church could easily come back. Don't let that happen. I I hope, if anything, you see through this time of us uh, not being able to gather, losing the habit of that. I hope you're seeing how powerful habits are. And understanding a bit more why, why even sometimes it looks so repetitious what we do together. We sing, we pray, we preach, we open the word, we give, we love one another. Because habits are what form and shape us. And so be mindful right now. As that habit for us is sort of on hiatus or looks different, don't let that happen to you. In our passage we see the Antichrist left the fellowship in the church John is writing to. Now, I'm not saying if you miss church a couple Sundays, you are antichrist. I'm not saying that. But I am saying if you leave the fellowship, at the very least, that's not a good sign about the state of your soul. We need to remain in the fellowship of the body. It's one of the reasons life groups are of primary importance here at Bethany Church. And my hope is with a renewed emphasis, even as we go through summer and into the fall next year, 
with our renewed emphasis, my hope, I would love, my goal, my prayer is going to be that 75 to 90% of our people end up in a life group. That's how important they are to keeping fellowship going. That's going to be our goal for the fall as a church, remaining in fellowship. Well, what keeps us remaining? There's some other things that John tells us. There are some other things, good things, things actually even outside of our control, which is great news. Because if it was up to me, if it was up to me, I would lose it all. Lose my salvation, probably lose my faith. Oh, but we have something. Remaining in spirit is our next point. You have something, John says. He's emphatic in his words here. You have something. Do you know what it is? Or rather, do you know who it is? You have an anointing given to you by the Holy One, John says in verse 20. I believe that anointing, the Holy One, is Jesus. He's really the one called that in the Bible. He gives us that anointing. But what is the anointing? Most commentators think, and I agree, it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's the giving of the gift of the Holy Spirit. When you were born again, if you're a follower of Christ, you were anointed you were given the Holy Spirit as he, as he caused your heart to be renewed, restored, reborn, born again. There's that term. And the Holy Spirit has a primary job. He has a primary function and job. He is the one who gives you the ability to understand the gospel. He is the one who regenerates us is the big theological word just means born again. He is the one who regenerates us, gives us a spiritual understanding. Theologians call it the illumination of the Spirit, like flipping on a light bulb. You can't see it, but I'm standing next to two really bright lights. That's why you can actually see David and I each week. And they're right here, right here, like off the screen there and right there. They're right there. They light it up. They brighten up this room. They brighten David and I up so you can see us. The Holy Spirit is an illuminator. He, he lights up. He gives us, have, gives us the knowledge and helps us to know the truth. That's his job. He's known most clearly actually in the Bible as the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. Verse 20 is clear. John is writing to them. He says, because you know the truth. Not because they had forgotten it. He knows those, the true members of the church know the truth. Look at verse 27. I'll read it to us. But the, anoint, uh, the anointing you receive from him abides, there's that word, abides, remains in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Now John's not saying here we don't need human teachers. We know the Bible places a high importance on preaching and teaching I mean, all over the place all over the place and all over the books of the Bible. But what John is saying here is that if you've come to trust Christ as your Messiah and believe he is Lord who saves you, you have enough. You don't need really anybody else to give you anything more. You have all you need. Jesus is all you need, in other words. You don't need to add to Jesus, in other words. Or as the Antichrists were doing, they were adding by detracting from his work. You've got it, John says. False teachers and false gospels, like the prosperity gospel, they'll come. Or gospels that are no gospel at all, like Protestant, liberal, mainline denominations. It's, it's, another, it's, a not, it's another gospel entirely. 
or our own desire to doubt that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And we remain in that anointed spirit when we remain in the truth. That's what John says in this passage. Remaining in the truth. This anointing, verse 27 says, teaches you about every true thing. The spirit of truth takes the word of God and does the work of God in our hearts with it. And we're called to abide in it in these verses, to protect it, to guard the good deposit, as Paul said to a young pastor, Timothy. Because in that deposit is pure gold, the key to life, the key to knowing God, the key to remaining faithful in the church, the truth that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He alone is the Christ. And his death and resurrection is the only true message of hope for the world. We have to be precise in that, with that, live for that, fight for that, and even be willing to die for that. It has to be the center of it all. And the elements you have in your living room and kitchen were given to us for that purpose, to remind us knowing God, knowing you know God, growing in obedience and love for others is only ever done by keeping Christ central and keeping Christ on the throne of your heart as opposed to those other loves that battle for your affection. Hopefully you've got your elements already. If you don't, jump out quick. We'll give you 10 seconds. Nine, eight, seven. I'm just kidding. Just go grab them and come back. We'll, we'll be taking in a minute. Grab your elements as you have them there. Begin to prepare your thoughts, prepare your heart. We had a silent time of confession. Let's take just 30 more seconds in your house, on your couch. Take 30 more seconds just to... Um, Spend some time in prayer with the Lord in repentance as David's going to come up and join me up here for our time of communion. And we'll start in just a moment. These elements we have that David has here and I have that you have at home, these elements, they're, they're, they're tools of precision. They're clear songs coming through the speaker. They're bright lights illuminating these central truths. That Christ is the Messiah. And that's why he gave them to his disciples in that upper room on that night. He wanted to be so clear because he knew this body and blood uh, that would be crushed and the body that would die because the cross would raise a few days later with a real body and blood, 
I mean, what could be more central and clarifying and, and proof, internal proof for the, those disciples as he came back from the dead? And so we take, as we take these elements again today, they're a means of grace to us. They're an encouragement. They're wind in the sails of your faith. And so let's begin to think about them. As Christ said to his disciples, and, and Paul passed on, he said in the upper room that night, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's all take together. If you want to stand at home, you can. Uh, in honor of the Lord, in honor of remembering that we're all in this together, standing together, whether we're in our kitchen or on the couch. If you, can't, if you don't feel like getting up, that's okay too. But if you want to stand, join us as David and I are standing here apart from you coming through this screen. Jesus knew that his blood was of utmost importance. For whatever reason, God set up the economy of the world that forgiveness could only come when it was paid by a price of shedding blood. It's the way God set it up. It's the way forgiveness could be extended. It's the way he could remain holy and not excuse sin, but at the same time, make a way for us to be friends with him. And so Jesus then held up the cup after the bread at that supper and said this, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We are proclaiming again the precise, cl crystal clear message. The center of what we believe, that Christ is the Savior who died a real death with real blood and really resurrected from the grave. Let's take together. We did it last time, so let's do it again. Sing with me. Don't let me sing it alone in your house right now. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him who all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. David. Let's sing, uh, close by singing nothing but the blood. a better word than all the empty claims I've heard upon this earth it's righteousness for me it stands in my defense Jesus it's your blood what can wash
Well, as we wrap up today, a couple things before our benediction today. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you got your packets out in the mail this week of our uh, congregational information, congregational meeting uh, information in there is our, um, those who will be voting on for candidates uh, for elder, deacon, deaconess roles, and, and our constitutional uh, updates, and then a doctrinal statement revision that the Free Church, Evangelical Free Church of America voted on in 2019 that we're seeking to implement and adopt uh, this uh, coming uh, this May at our meeting uh, for our own doctrinal statement of Bethany Church. So those have come out to you. If you didn't get a, the packet through the email or you just couldn't open it or don't, don't want to print it out to read it, stop by the church office this week. Call us. We've got some hard copies there. Some of you already have stopped by. If you want to get that, anybody's welcome to that information, whether you're a covenant member or not. Come by and get that information. Uh, our budget's in there as well for next year that we'll be voting on. It's obviously different this year. It's a three-step process. Those have come home to you, those packets. This coming week, uh, we're going to be filming our congregational, uh, congregation meeting. Uh, the, the material we'll be presenting, which we would have done live if we were together. We will send you that link uh, for the video this next week. 
and then uh, you can either watch the link, or if you can't uh, use it on the computer and want a DVD like we've been doing for some of you for our sermons, let us know in the office. We'll get you a DVD of it. And then you'll also be receiving in the mail uh, a ballot with a, a self-addressed stamp envelope, so you can send the ballot, you can vote on it, and then send it back to us. So three steps. We're trying to make it as simple as possible. You see them here. Ballots will be due by the 20th. It'll be a few days after you get them, so you have time to vote for those candidates in the budget and mail them back to us. That's how we'll take our quorum. That's how we'll know uh, what's, what has passed and, and what hasn't. So uh, thanks for being part of this process with us. One more thing. We've got a Zoom Q&A. If you read your packet and you're like, I don't know what this is about or why the budget looks this way or uh, tell me about the doctrinal statement update. Uh, what is that? And why did the Free Church choose to do that? Uh, we're having a Zoom Q&A at 1030 in about a half hour right after this service. The link for that went out in the Saturday email that everybody got who had, has given us an email. If you don't find that email in your inbox, check your junk folder. It could be there. You can find it there. Uh, that link is there. You just click on the link. Even if you don't have a Zoom account, you just click on the link and enter the password that is in that email. Uh, you'll see it there. If you want to jump in to ask us some questions, if not, we're going to have another one next week if you can't today after church. Um, so God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. I hope communion was meaningful to you from your home. Let's bless one another as we head out today. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. That's our anointing, the deposit of the Spirit that keeps us strong, keeps us remaining. May you remain and abide this week in your faith in Jesus Christ. Have a blessed Sunday.